Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The views and opinions expressed on the following program are those of the host and guests and do not necessarily represent those of any organization, including one generation away. America is free. Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of enterprise, and freedom is special and rare. This is Liberty Nation with Mark Angelides, a production of LibertyNation.com, going after what the politicians really mean and making it all clear for your freedom and your liberty. Liberty Nation with Mark Angelides. President Biden asked for the media to treat him better and like supplicants to the fount. We see a rash of stories explaining how poor old president has been badly mistreated. And even headlines that question if criticizing said commander in chief could lead to the downfall of the republic. You know you're being lied to when the spin goes off the chart, but is Biden the chief beneficiary of this fourth estate largesse? Or is ideology and the coming entrenchment of such the real goal? Welcome to Liberty Nation Radio here on the Radio America Network. I'm your host, Mark Angelides. On today's show, we're going to find out just how deep the cozy cartel of government media really goes. We'll be asking, how much of this spin is the American public expected to believe? And most importantly, why they won't? We'll also be talking liberty with our constitutional caped crusader, Scott Casenza. All this and more. I'd like to say a special hello to our listeners in Knoxville, Tennessee, on WETR 760 AM and 92.3 FM. Great to have you all here. Remember, this show is proudly sponsored by LibertyNation.com, where you can access podcasts, breaking news, analysis, and a range of biting and brilliant shows to whet your appetite for freedom and your fondness for the great American constitution. The Soviet Union was famed for its use of propaganda. Every state organ was determined to curry favor with the ruling elite to the point where the public was more informed if they ignored the news altogether. Or as Mark Twain once put it, if you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you read the newspaper, you're misinformed. Perhaps it seems something fantastical to suggest that the modern America is on the same trajectory, but then anything is possible. Now, to help us sort the fact from the fiction on this, we're lucky enough to be joined by LibertyNation.com editor-in-chief, Lisa K. Donner. Thanks for being here, Lisa. Happy to be here, Mark. So, Lisa, please, give me the current prognosis. Has this current crop of useful idiots in the fourth estate, have they gone too far? And can the patient, being American press freedom, be saved? Well, you know, press is the, the media in America has always been a bucking bronco. I mean, anybody that thinks that the media is just crazy now doesn't understand American history. It, it's always been kind of crazy. But I think what we have going on now is one segment of the media is so aligned with one political party that what's had to happen is that other people have had to crop up to sort of give balance. There's going to be other people that crop up and take away their, their viewers, their readers, and that's what's uh, happening now. And they do seem to be retaliating against that kind of thing. You have a uh, popular podcast host like Joe Rogan, which CNN never fails to try and take a pot shot at. 
But I think that's because he has a larger audience than CNN. And it's the same with many of these up and coming uh, podcasters, newscasters, people who um, have websites or, or news services. Uh, and it seems that uh, it's time to start calling these, uh, let's call them the, the, the left-leaning entities in the, the cable news networks. They're trying to take shots at the new kids on the block to try and keep them down to preserve their own space. And I think that's like a serious ethical question here. Because we, we do talk a lot about accountability in the press, but what happens when other press outlets don't hold their own colleagues or let's say, call them competitors of a similar ilk to account? So Well, I think Mark, yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I, I think they're threatened. You know, the traditional newspaper business is being threatened. So these big newspapers are starting large online businesses, right? And so what they try to do is they try to talk about alternative media as if it's some kind of vast right-wing conspiracy. So they try to reduce the legitimacy of the right-wing media. And, you know, I think they do that because they're threatened. If you look at look at somebody like Chris Wallace this week, for instance, mm. Chris Wallace was on Fox. Now, he was not well liked among conservatives, but he has moved to CNN Plus, which is their online streaming. Fox Nation is Fox News's online streaming operation. This was not an upward move. This was not even a sideways move. This had to be some in some sense, a kick out the door, you have to figure. So, you know, and other people have tried to make those jumps back and forth. Uh, uh, Megan Kelly is one example. She goes to NBC and now she's got a podcast. The, the media is becoming more, I'd say, ghettoized, but that's because it had to become ghettoized to become balanced. You know, I think that that really leads me nicely onto the question I really want to ask. Now, you recently wrote an article on LibertyNation.com titled 2021's Biggest Laugh Line, Media Treats Biden Worse Than Trump. Now, the premise here is that a notable Washington, D.C. newspaper was trying to make the case that Trump was treated more fairly by the press than Joe Biden. Now, I've got two questions on that. Number one, how can they write that with a straight face? And number two, do they believe that the public is really buying that? You know what I think? It, actually, this article is written by Dana Milbank, and, and it was an opinion piece. But, but he tried to gin up some facts. So what he did was he cited 10, 10, all 10 headlines from the Politico Playbook newsletter. And he ran an artificial intelligence and AI algorithm as proof of his supposition. So he's looking up a bunch of different adjectives and Boom, guess what he came up with? He led to the conclusion that, quote, my colleagues in the media are serving as accessories to the murder of democracy. <laughs> Talk about a hyperbole. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, the idea that, because uh, basically how the, these AI uh, algorithms would work, would they, they'd be looking for adjectives specifically with negative tones. So, for example, there might be a, in a Biden article, it might be troubled President Biden has issues getting the uh, the Build Back Better Act passed, for example. But then that's given the exact same weight as Trump is literally Hitler and he's so bad he's killing people. And that would be given the same weight in, in terms of the algorithm when they're, they're divvying up 
you know, who received the most negative coverage for the period. But as you can see, the two really don't compare. It's, I mean, the article itself appears uh, as though the Biden administration asked for it to be put out themselves. Well, it's interesting because I, I think Milbank is running interference for, for the Saki, et cetera. Let, let me bring you forward to the media watchdog, uh, the media research center. These people are really the gold standard. I mean, the MRC. Yeah. yeah. The MRC started years and years ago. They, they, they started, you know, taping and recording and digitizing and listening and they have people there paying attention and writing up summaries and, and from that, they do all this research, tons of research, and then they're able to figure out, you know, what is left-leaning, what is right-leaning, et cetera, et cetera. But Tim Graham of the MRC had a great quote that I, I want to share with you. About the Milbank article, he said, I cry BS, a mountain of BS. You don't assign a computer to read for adjectives, just what you were saying. <laughs> In 200,000 articles and claim media bias, there's no way we at Newsbusters, that's MRC, would be able to read 200,000 articles in 15 minutes and say, voila. But who needs a human media analyst? Milbank's clown car is speeding down the information superhighway, unquote. That is a, a, a beautiful quote and a perfect place to leave this. Lisa K. Donna, thank you ever so much. Thank you, Mark. Now, don't go anywhere. Later in the show, we're discussing California, guns and abortion on our special Talking Liberty segment. But after this short break, we're back talking with author Onar Am on the cult of wokeism. For your freedom and your liberty. Liberty Nation with Mark Angelides. If it seems to you that wokeness or extreme progressivism is becoming the dominant ideology in the political sphere, you're not alone. It is, after all, trumped as being right and just and decent by the fourth estate and by elected politicos. But perhaps these denizens of the radical left are just talking to each other in a shallow echo chamber, and you and I are just getting caught in the crossfire. Well, to find out if this detrimental and often contradictory ideology has any legs, we're joined by author, scientists, and watcher of all trends political, Mr. Onar Am. Welcome to the show, Onar. Thank you. So tell me, Onar, is this rush to all things identitarian a serious contender for the dominant ideology, or will it collapse under the weight of its own contradictions? Well, I mean, I, I can't see the future, but uh, they have had 50 years or more to do this by taking over the universities and, and all of these things. So uh, they do have a lot of momentum on their side. But if we're lucky, this is more like uh, uh, Germany in 1941, which when, was when they were at their peak. So I hope to see that they do collapse under th their own weight. They are not able to have a, a multi-front war. You, you say that, uh, obviously, that this is a, an ideology that, that's prevalent in the universities and presumably other educational institutions, because obviously we've seen with uh, the, the current uh, arguments against CRT that uh, although there's no specific course taught as CRT within high schools, uh, the, the elements of critical race theory, they're they're behind the other topics. So it's a history taught through critical race theory. It's, as we've seen recently, maths taught through critical, the lens of critical race theory. So yeah. how do you, 
Please. I, I think that the important thing to recognize here that even though the word critical race theory is not used in high schools, it is taught in uh, teacher schools. And in other words, teachers are taught critical race theory directly. And they're taught what's called critical pedagogy, which is even worse. It's because it doesn't involve just critical race theory, but all critical versions of Marxism. Could you expand on that a little for me? Well, critical theory uh, emerged in the uh, 1930s and 40s in the so-called Frankfurt School, uh, which were uh, uh, Marxists who were uh, disappointed that Karl Marx's revolution failed and uh, workers in Europe just didn't want it. So they were thinking, how can we proceed along those lines? And how can we get utopia if people don't want it. And they came up with the idea of critical theory. And the the latest installment of that is, or the great guru of the so-called new left is Herbert Marcuse, uh, who uh, sold millions of copies and became the guru of the hippie movement in the 1960s. And he basically said that the problem is that people are too happy. We have to destroy their happiness. We have to destroy their identity, tear it down and rebuild it in so that they develop what he called critical consciousness. In other words, they have to realize that they were really living in hell rather than in a rel- relatively good place. And once you have people who are sufficiently hateful and angry uh, about how awful things are in the world, then you could rebuild the world in 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 marxist image it seems to me that the rise of wokeness as we call it um it's almost something that's that's filling a void what do you make of that definitely this would not have happened if we were a healthy culture and i guess this is it goes back to materialism uh, the idea that you don't really need to have any form of agency in the world you don't need to to make your own decisions you only just need to fill uh, your needs through material needs so if you have enough money if you have enough food everything will be okay and now this has been expanded to if you have access to facebook and so forth and you can have good movies to watch you'll be happy turns out that's not how humans work. People need to have a meaning in their life. And the absence of meaning has resulted in a meaning crisis where people actively try to seek out alternatives to the old sources of, of meaning, such as Christianity. So no one wants to be Christian anymore. So they seek out, they become uh, involved in environmentalism. They want to save the world from global warming and they want to help trans people and they want to do this and they want to do that. They want, so they search meaning through these progressive ideologies. Wokeness is a, uh, it's a form of a religion. Yeah, it, it seems to me that it's not so much that people want to find meaning, but they want to be the heroes of their own story. They want to be the, the lone defender of any popular trope or, or any popular idea so they can be recognized as a hero in themselves. And I think it's, it, it's quite an empty existence for them. I think uh, you're absolutely right. However, meaning is to be the hero of your own story. It just doesn't mean that you're necessarily the hero of the, of the world. If you have a family, if you have children, uh, if you have a wife or uh, a husband, 
then that is a source of, of meaning in, in and of itself because you have to be the hero in someone else's life. And uh, today, when, when you see people don't have any children anymore, they don't go to church, they don't do anything, they just uh, consume these material goods, they starve for being a hero, and then they turn to these woke uh, ideas. Okay, so in your opinion, is, is this a wave rather than a push, as in it will recede in time until the next thing comes along? I hope that it's a wave, and I think it's a wave, because um, it, the progressives make up in America about 8% of the population. And when you see what's going on on TV, you get the impression that they make up 90%. Uh, but that's not true. Like on both the so-called left and the so-called right, people don't like this. And uh, it's going, it's building up to a crescendo of where people are just going to say, we don't, we don't want this. It doesn't have to be like a violent rejection of it. It might just turn out to be that it uh, fades away in, as, in a wave. Speaking of politicians, that they do try and capture movements and they try and benefit from those movements. It's, it's an age-old uh, position. But why do so many politicos think that this in particular was such a good cause to latch onto? I think it is in part uh, because of uh, the, the language that is involved, that is specifically designed to bamboozle a certain group of people. So using terms like racist, homophobes, xenophobe, uh, all of these phobes and uh, other de uh, derogatory terms, they're specifically designed to appeal to people who are concerned uh, with being good people. Uh, and, it, and they're designed to target universalists, people who regard everyone as equal. So calling someone racist only works in the West because that's the only place where people are not racist. Calling people homophobe only works in the West because that's the only place where people are not so-called homophobes and so forth. So in other words, it's specifically a, a, a parasitic strategy that is designed to take over the brains or minds of people and using their compassion and morality against them. And that's why it is so effective. And that, so I, I regard most of these politicians as almost equally captured by this as the pushers of the ideology. In other words, they feel trapped in, in this as much as the, the victims of these politicians. Yep. Oh, no, thank you ever so much. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Now, don't go anywhere. Later in the show, we're discussing California, guns and abortion. You're listening to Liberty Nation Radio, heard across the Radio America network from our flagship station in the nation's capital, WWRC in Washington, D.C. And remember, you can tune in for Liberty Nation from 2 to 3 p.m. Sunday on KBKW 103.5 FM, 1450 AM, the talk of Grays Harbor. Later in the show, we tackle former Governor Andrew Cuomo and the order for him to hand back the book dollars on our Talking Liberty segment. But coming up next, though, we'll be talking with Tim Donner on the media's obsession with a resurgent Donald Trump. Don't touch that dial. America is free. Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of enterprise, and freedom is special and rare. This is Liberty Nation with Mark Angelides, a production of LibertyNation.com going after what the politicians really mean and making it all clear. 
for your freedom and your liberty. Liberty Nation with Mark Angelides. Beware, beware, if the voters dare to vote in Donald Trump or someone similar in 2024, the nation as you know it will become unrecognizable. Or so warned Hillary Clinton recently. But it's not just the lady who will never be president who's warning of the danger signs. The media denizens are in full flow, relating just how dangerous a resurgence of the former president could be. So perhaps it's time to ask why? What does the fourth estate and the political left gain from such scaremongering? Well, I can think of no one better place to answer that particular question than longtime host of this here Liberty Nation Radio and senior political analyst, Mr. Tim Donner. Thanks for being here, Tim. Thanks, Mark. Always a pleasure. All right. Now, tell me, Tim, these fantastical articles that we're seeing, the news shows that drip with fear and loathing over Donald Trump and by extension, the America First movement, is it really just that they fear losing power and prominence? No, I think the fear is genuine. I don't think it's contrived. I don't think, and for a long time, I wasn't sure. Because, of course, they hated on Ronald Reagan so badly. They hated on Richard Nixon. They hated on Bush uh, 41 a little bit, Bush 43 a lot, and on McCain and Romney when they ran. So, you know, I don't think it's contrived. I think that they are generally uh, genuinely deranged by the mere existence of Donald Trump as a politician. I really do. Um, So many normal, I mean, typical people that you would meet or that you know, who, you know, would would share political conversations or political opinions over the years. And when it came to Trump, they suddenly just, they got twisted and contorted into a position. I can think of one guy I knew in Florida. He He was a Democrat. He's since passed on. But we would have great political conversations for a long time. And then when Trump came along, he said he, he'd look at me and his eyes would bulge out of his head. <sighs> I believe he's truly evil, he said. So I don't think the fear is contrived. And I think they fear both that he really is Hitler or some variation thereof. Um, and they also fear that, that he could win again. And that he would take them down in a way that probably conservatives fear that the left is trying to take them down as we speak. Uh, As you say, it really does inflict such serious stress and worry on people that Donald Trump, who successfully managed four years in the White House without dragging the United States into another war, uh, could somehow again bring about Armageddon, as they warned of in 2016. Now, you wrote recently about the, the left, the political left, playing head games to try and get would-be Trump voters. Do they really think that anything other than a complete vault face on their own policies can convince this, this swath of voters who have been neglected for so long to change their ballot in favor of the Democrats? Well, this is what you really would call gaslighting. I mean, gaslighting means trying to convince people that what they see isn't really what they see, that what they see represents their own lying eyes. And so uh, the reason that they're playing head games on Trump voters, Mark, is because they've played the Trump as Hitler card for five years. They managed to take him down in 2020. 
in a in a in what was really it was a, a collusion between all the forces of the establishment, as was admitted in an extremely revealing article by Molly Ball in The Atlantic uh, after the election. So gaslighting Trump is now means not trying to tell independent voters and even Trump voters that that he's Hitler anymore because they played that card. It's not going to work again, Mark. So they have to come from a different tack because the only people that will accept the attacks equating Trump with Hitler are people that already hate the guy. So so what they have to do is try and convince Trump voters that, you know, whether you like him or not, the problem is he can't win in 2024 because of January 6th, because of a, a myriad of different things. Hey, you may like him or not, and we're not saying you shouldn't, but you know, He's hurting the Republican Party. And may, maybe the most absurd headline of them all was from in National Review from Rich Lowry, of all people. Mm. Actually, it was in Politico from Rich Lowry, where it said Trump hurts GOP populism. Well, excuse me, but Trump was the one that introduced populism into the GOP in 2016 where it really had almost never been before. Yes, it, it, it's, it's quite amazing to the lengths to which they go here. Now, let's talk about the state of the Democratic Party today. We've discussed uh, Joe Biden's physical and mental state before on Liberty Nation Radio, but where do you see the folks who voted for Joe Biden in 2020? Are they still willing to carry the water for him? Well, they have to carry his water. They have no choice. Because he's the president. He's going to be the president for some time. We don't know how long. Could be three more years. Could be a year. Could He could resign after the midterms. He could serve one term. He could try to serve a second. We don't know. But they have to carry his water. They have to act as if he's just great. I mean, Nancy Pelosi just said that Joe Biden is just perfect. For this time. So they can't, you know, whatever cracks in the armor, and there are many of them in Democratic ranks that are worried to death about Biden's sinking popularity of sinking approval. But they have to carry his water just as Biden, Mark, has to act as if he's going to run again in 2024. I mean, nothing to see here. Of course, I'm going to run again in 2024, mm. but it means nothing. What tells you something meaningful is independent voters. And in the latest polls, independent voters are all over Joe Biden like a cheap suit. His numbers are in the, in the 30s because, of course, Democrats are always going to, you know, kind of back him up. Republicans are always going to oppose Joe Biden. It's the independents that tell the story. And right now, the numbers he's getting from independents make him entirely unelectable. Yeah, I, I, you did a recent article as well on the Hispanic vote, which I found fascinating. So now Hispanic votes are more for the GOP than for the Democrats. Now, do you think that's a direct response to Joe Biden or is it to Democrat policies or is it a combination of the both? I think it's a culmination of time here where, you know, it's a very patronizing thing that political analysts tend to do and the media, they tend to 
lump blacks and Hispanics together because they're all minorities, mm. but they really don't have anything in common other than the fact that they're not part of an increasingly slender white majority in the country. Hispanics tend to be culturally conservative in most uh, Hispanic cultures. And the word Hispanic is a misnomer because Cubans have very little in common with Mexicans, Puerto Ricans or Venezuelans. And the point goes on. But this is a vital, vital sector of the electorate that the Democrats have to win, that the Republicans have been making some inroads in. But this is shocking. I mean, Trump went 29 percent among Hispanics in 2016, 38 percent in 2020. And now this poll shows that Hispanics writ large, dead even uh, Democrats and Republicans. Remarkable. The fire that Donald Trump lit. Tim Donner, thank you ever so much. Always a pleasure, Mark. California and Texas in a battle for the ages. Coming right up after this message. For your freedom and your liberty. Liberty Nation with Mark Angelides. It's been a wild week in the world of lawfare, from Julian Assange's extradition order to Andrew Cuomo on the hook for some big bucks. It seems that the courts never sleep. And one who has suffered from a lack of the healing dream state is our constant court watcher, constitutional lawyer, and host of the excellent Uprising podcast, Mr. Scott D. Casenza, Esquire. Welcome back, Scott. Cheers, Mark. Thank you. So the first thing I want to ask about is the Assange extradition. Now, I thought this was all over and that he would be serving whatever sentence he has in Britain. So why is he now being brought to the U.S.? Well, the Biden administration is continuing on with the Trump administration's effort to see him extradited for, uh, I mean, plainly speaking, uh, as a journalist, Mark, it's the crime of journalism. Uh, the the way that they're couching the charges is that he uh, encouraged someone to basically break security protocols for classified information. But really what he did was just standard journalistic uh, procedure, which is to ask a source for the information that they're willing to provide and to ask well, for corroboration provide, of the information and, and to provide more information. That's exactly right. It was just good journalism that Julian Assange was doing a sad state of affairs for journalism across the world. Now, let, let's head to the West Coast for a moment. In the wake of the Texas abortion law, California's Gavin Newsom, he's, he's threatened that he's going to use the same framework against the Second Amendment that Texas used to craft its own law against abortion providers. Now, is this as crazy as it sounds? And probably more importantly here, is it on any solid legal basis? Well, the United States Supreme Court just declined to strike down that Texas law because of the way it was structured. So it, it provides a private cause of action where citizen, any, any person can basically sue a Texas abortion provider uh, for providing an abortion under the Texas law. And it was crafted specifically to avoid kind of Supreme Court review of uh, anything beyond the mechanics of it. I hate to say it's sound because it's madness in terms of shutting down lawful commerce and firearms, but uh, it does have, you know, it, it does have purchase in terms of the exact uh, mechanics that were used in Texas, Mark. And in fact, the I think it's the Firearms Policy Coalition filed an amicus brief in uh, 
I think in, in, in the Supreme Court case, but they have argued that before the, Mr. Newsom even came out with this, that this could be used against gun owners, gun manufacturers, gun sellers. And that's one of the reasons why conservatives should oppose that Texas abortion law. Uh, and, and the facts seem to, to, to agree with it. If you apply the Supreme Court's recent reasoning to the Texas law, to this imagined California law, then, then I think the answer is yes, sadly. But it seems to me, Scott, the Texas abortion law is only for in Texas. So, for example, a private individual can't sue an abortion provider in Tennessee, in Kentucky, in California. Um, so how would it apply to gun manufacturers, distributors? Now, would that only account if they are distributing firearms in California? And is there something to prevent uh, lawful, uh, legally able gun wanters to travel out of state and then bring their legally registered gun into the state. Mark, if the exact same ideology and, and mechanics of the Texas abortion law were applied to firearms in California, then you're right. A Californian could leave the state to then purchase a firearm. But there's a hiccup there. Firearm sales are restricted in, in if you buy a firearm in a state that you are not a resident of. Uh, in some states, this is easier to accomplish uh, than others. And with long arms, it's easy to accomplish rel rather than for handguns. So uh, it could actually be very restrictive and prohibitive for Californians as if they needed another you know, obstacle on their path to legally acquire a, a firearm. Just in addition to this question, Scott, so Gavin Newsom recently said that uh, he, if Roe v. Way, you know, or of course her Planned Parenthood uh, v. Casey is in any way um, driven down by uh, the upcoming Supreme Court judgment, that he would look to make California a sanctuary state for abortions. And that would include, according to him and the foundation which he helped start, uh, paying for the travel for people to travel into California paying for the actual act of the abortion, hotels, things like this. Now, could Texas do the same thing and become a sanctuary state, in which case the taxpayer of Texas invites people to come to Texas to buy firearms from California and pays for them and then sends them back to California? Well, no, I don't think that uh, they would be able to do that. And honestly, it is just reeling from hearing that, that that's an actual... I mean, the idea that the put upon taxpayers of California would be further burdened. I mean, just to even take away the moral uh, and other issues surrounding a, the abortion uh, question and procedure and result, uh, the, just the cost outlay to, to have. Uh, I mean, it is madness. I think that one thing that we wouldn't see happen in Texas is that uh, while they may pass a law to, to make a point, they're not going to soak. Uh, the taxpayers to the point that uh, that Newsom's willing to do to, I mean, oh my God, wow! I'm just still, I just can't believe it, Mark. It's just uh, uh, the travel and the and the lodging and the procedure in order to make a point because he didn't like a Supreme Court uh, decision. You think about the the people in California that are just making it, right? You know, that are just getting it together and not on the dole uh, and not in government assistance uh, with their meeting their financial needs. And then you know, add this burden that the, they should be responsible for uh, the unwanted pregnancies of people throughout the, uh, the 50 states. Oh, God. 
but they will have the uh, the grace of knowing that uh, the governor Gavin Newsom is proud of them morally for footing the bill. Well, we're not even going to get into the moral question here. That is, uh, my lord. Now, Scott, I, I want to ask you about Andrew Cuomo. Now, he's being ordered to return 5.1 million smackaroos from pandemic book profits to the it's state. It's the feel-good story of the year for uh, for conservatives, Mark. Uh, absolutely. Now, I mean, now what, presumably. What this is because he should have been working for the people of New York State when he authored the book, correct? The Joint Commission on Public Ethics voted 12 to 1. That's a state body that controls whether or not uh, certain people, including the governor, are allowed to keep uh, money they earned outside of their, their job, voted uh, that he has to return uh, this book money. And I think it's because of the scandal that he... Uh, that he brought about, you know, well, that's himself my follow into the state. That's my follow-up question, Scott. Did this committee only vote this way because Andrew Cuomo is now in disgrace, now that he's been forced to step down? If he hadn't been, would they have let him keep the money and serve out his term? I think yes. They, they had initially uh, voted that he was able to accept this money uh, on behalf of you know, for the book sales. So, you know, once, once the world turns against you, the world turns against you. And I think that's what's happened here uh, appropriately. So certainly in uh, former governor Cuomo's case. So is nobody asking questions about whether this committee is fit for purpose? I mean, if it can be swayed by such public uh, opinion and outcrying, it voted first that he should be able to keep the book advance. I believe it's an advance rather than profits. And now it's voting that he shouldn't be able to keep it because he's in disgrace. Surely that shows that what they're acting from is uh, pride and passion and public outrage rather than following law and regulation, which is what you'd presume a governing body who is committed to upholding certain standards would follow. It's a political process. It's a political body appointed by politicians. That's how it's conceived. All right. And a final issue to cover here, Scott. So at a Colorado elementary school, there's a sign promoting, and I quote here, families of color playground night. Is this a museum piece held over from the 1940s or has Colorado gone so far woke that it can't see what it's doing? Segregation now, segregation forever. That's the cry of the, uh, uh, of the liberals there, Mark. Uh, it is not a holdover uh, from uh, and a bygone era, but it's the new era of segregation and uh, race favoring for folks of color. This is Centennial Elementary School. And uh, Colorado has a, 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 an interesting law where it specifically prohibits treating pupils in the public schools differently on the basis of their race. In addition to all the other uh, laws we have, <laughs> civil rights acts that prohibit this kind of thing, uh, and of course, that school system is a recipient of federal dollars through many mechanisms which prohibit this sort of activity. But will there be an appetite to come down on them, uh, you know, legally by the liberals in the Justice Department or the Colorado governance? Well, I think we know the answer to that. And it's a big fat no. Thank you so much for being here. Cheers, Mark. Thank you. And that's all we have time for on this edition of Liberty Nation Radio. I want to thank our guests, Lisa K. Donner, Owen R. Arm, Scott Casenza, and of course, longtime host of this here show, Tim Donner, for taking part. And as always, extend my thanks to you, the listener, for making everything worthwhile.
One final thought for you before we go. Famed author Ray Bradbury wrote in his classic book, Fahrenheit 451, the average TV commercial of 60 seconds has 120 half-second clips in it, or one-third of a second. We bombard people with sensation. That substitutes for thinking. Perhaps it's time for us all to take the news media as we would any other form of sensationalism. If we keep buying it, they'll keep making it. And to remain free, to maintain liberty of the mind, we need to start thinking for ourselves once again. Thanks for listening. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.